It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Today's episode of the Locked On Reds podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Head over to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code Locked On to get 20% off your next order. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Reds Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Jeff Carr. I'm your host and super fan of the Cincinnati Reds, and I've turned my addiction into information for you. Each and every day, I'm going to bring you news, rumors, transactions, everything about the Cincinnati Reds. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump into today's episode. It's BM Monday, and I'm very glad that you are listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast. On today's episode, a very special guest joins me to talk about some trades, talk about trade rumors, talk about trade values. I'm talking about John Bitzer from BaseballTradeValues.com. We had a great chat, and I think you're going to enjoy it as well. Really illuminating stuff. He's got a website. We, we get into this, obviously, a lot more in detail, but he created it as a third-party resource. It's not affiliated, and it's all about creating a formula that explains the values of trades. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to let you know that coming up later this week, we've got Aram Layton from Locked On MLB Prospects coming on to talk about the state of the Reds farm system. We're going to look in-depth at that, and we've got a lot great, a lot of great stuff coming later on this week. A Jeff's Junk Mail episode. Lots of stuff to get to there. You guys have been great with your questions, reactions, comments. Whether it be on the Locked On Reds line at 513-549-0159 or on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs or at Locked On Reds. You guys have given me a lot of great stuff and we're going to get to that later this week. And the best way to not miss any of that is to subscribe on whatever platform you're currently listening to this podcast on. Just click that little subscribe button and you won't miss anything this offseason. Hopefully, coming up here soon, we've got some big signings. Real quick, too, but before we get into John Bitzer, the Reds did make a couple of moves this weekend, signing a pair of Perez's. Hector Perez from the Toronto Blue Jays, though he also pitched a little bit from the Houston Astros. He is a right-handed relief pitcher looking to make his case for the bullpen spot. 
And then Cianel Perez, who they traded uh, Luke Berryhill, a minor league catcher in the organization. Now they trade him to the Houston Astros to get Cianel Perez, who is a left-handed reliever. Both guys, as you might guess, based on the Spincinnati offseason theme, they spend the ball pretty well. You're not going to find a whole lot on their statistics because they haven't pitched a ton between the two of them. But they're projects for Derek Johnson, Kyle Bodie, and Eric Jagers. So we'll see exactly where that all goes. But it's nice to see that the Reds are still committing to the Spincinnati idea. And both guys have minor league options. Pretty much everybody that they've added this season has two qualities in common. Something that I failed to mention whenever I talked about Spincinnati. They have high spin rates and they have minor league options. So if, you know, they, they can kind of be on a travel back and forth between Louisville and here, and that gives the Reds some roster flexibility, something that they didn't have when they were signing the Zach Dukes and the Kevin Greggs of the world. We all remember them. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that's yeah. We got to get on a better uh, train here. Let's let's jump into my conversation with John Bitzer from BaseballTradeValues.com. Thank you very much for joining me. And my first question is. Why do you hate Joey Votto so much? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm sure he's beloved in Cincinnati, but he's not beloved by our trade uh, <laughs> modeling. <laughs> Making too much money in the city old. <laughs> oh, man. I No, it's – I, I do kind of understand a little bit from where it's coming from. So basically, my over-level understanding, I definitely want to get more detail with you about this, but my over-level understanding is you take a player's uh, performance and you kind of subtract how much money that they're making, how costly they are, and you get a trade value from them. Is, is that kind of the best way to say the overarching understanding? Exactly right. It's a very simple formula in a way, but there's a lot of devils in the details. So, for example, if a player, you know, it would normally be worth, say, $20 million on a free agent market, but he's only getting $10 million because of all an already accepted salary, mm-hmm. then he's got what we call a surplus value of 10 and that's what you have to make up in trade. It's kind of like uh, when you go to a, a pawn shop and say, well, okay, I want to buy that. I've got a hundred bucks. Uh, no, it's worth 200. Well, all right, give me that diamond ring. That, so that diamond ring kind of makes up for the value. That's the trade market. I like it. And what, what kind of drove you and um, how many other, how many other uh, people are involved in the website with you? So I have a, a colleague named Joshua Iverson who, um, uh, helps out quite a bit and um, also hosts our podcast. Nice. And then I have a, a tech team behind that. It keeps things running behind the scenes. But it's really just the two of us doing all evaluations and writing the articles and doing the podcasts and all that sort of thing. It's an awesome website. Like I said, uh, if you guys want to check it out while you're listening to today's podcast, it's baseballtradevalues.com. And what kind of brought about the idea to get it started? Was it something like you were looking at your favorite team and being like, why am I not getting uh, Mike Trout for my utility player? Or what is this? Yeah, exactly. So I'll be happy to do that. So uh, I will confess I'm an Oakland A's fan, uh, born and raised in California. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when you see your favorite team trading away players as Billy Bean often did, you start to wonder, and you think, okay, why is he doing that? What is and how? What is his thought process? What is his methodology for getting value back? 
And I have a side of me that is good with numbers as well as words. And so I started to just play around with, okay, is it because of this stat or that stat? You know, and I eventually sort of figured out, you know, kind of, it took me a while, actually. Um, I was writing for Athletics Nation, which is the SB Nation site for days. It took me a while to kind of say, okay, this is that. We did a lot of woodshedding, basically, and so did Josh. And we sort of connected and we said, okay, let's figure this out. So we started building spreadsheets and figuring out the exact stats that matched up. The key was to kind of reverse engineer. Say, okay, let's log every real life trade, go backwards, and say, how did they get to that level? And then once we figured out a consistent sort of model, I said, okay, this is starting to work. And then we matched it with the free agent market and said, okay, in theory, based on that formula you just said, a free agent should have zero surplus value because it's market rate, right? So if he's worth twenty million and he gets twenty million, then that's surplus value zero. So we can use that as simple algebra to say, okay. Let's work backwards from that and say, figure out like, okay, this is what the going rate is for a starting pitcher or an outfielder or a second base or whatever. And, you know, and we figured out the, you know, as close as we could possibly get using publicly available stats, just kind of, you know, how things started to match up. And then we tested and tested and we said, okay, I think we're ready to go. <clears throat> um, and it, you know, we, we, um, we launched in June of 2019 as kind of a beta and we've been keeping track of all of our real life trades since August of 2019. And so far, the model is doing very well. We have a 95% success rate in terms of what's been accepted by our system nice. with only a variance of 1.7. So we feel like we're pretty accurate. That That's very accurate. I mean, mo- more accurate than most things in life, I would I would say. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, 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 yeah. I mean, we're certainly the first ones to admit we're not perfect. We're working with data that is only publicly available. Sure. We're trying to mimic what the teams actually have in their own internal systems in their front offices. We don't have nearly the amount of staff or data that they have. And so we're just a couple of guys trying to mimic what they're doing and get as close as possible. You ever had anybody from a team contact you about that? Uh, indeed, we have. Oh, nice. <clears throat> and 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 I was I was thrilled. I was pleasantly surprised. It's like, wait, you're using us? I thought we were following you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they said, yeah, we're using us. we're using you. And we were very complimentary. I won't say which team. Uh, one in particular reached out, but we've seen a few others as well. Um, one has become very sort of a big fan of ours, and they've made a couple trades this off season. And I was joking, you know, in an email uh, the other day. I said, hey, it's, I noticed. The three trades you made this offseason match up pretty well to our values. And they're like, yeah, we check them every time. These guys are the benchmark. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Boy, that would, that would be a little bit cathartic, I would think. It was, it was quite uh, flattering, yeah. Um, now, granted, we, they, you know, I'm not saying we, we're just chasing them again. You know, we don't know as much as they do. Um, but it's fun to see it. You know, he, what he was saying is we see you guys as kind of a benchmark for the whole system we have our own you know but but you sort of a second pair of eyes if you will um to kind of what you know what players should be valued at now not everybody uses the same system so um but most teams do and that's the other sort of key to to making this work is that we assume two things one is every team is rational every gm that is is rational which is <laughs> not always the case and then secondly they're all using more or less the same valuation models the ones that were sort of approximating and that's more or less but not always as well. So once in a while, we're a little bit off, and it could be because they're not using the same model we are. It could be something wrong with ours, but we get most of them right, and so I feel like in the aggregate, we're pretty close. There are some res GMs in the past that I would wonder about the rationality of, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, let's look at <laughs> let's look at a case study 
uh, kind of to use mm-hmm. as an example. Something that happened here recently were fake reports of the Yankees acquiring Luis Castillo, and they were talking about supposed names that were involved in the trade. And when you go to baseball trade values and you look at the trade uh, value for Luis Castillo and you look at the values for the other guys, they weren't matching up. And, and, and that's why I love your guys' website because it at least gives us a starting point for understanding as fans because as a Reds fan, we're sitting here saying, well, if we're trading Castillo, we better be getting Glaber Torres and we better be getting Aaron Judge. And, and then on, the Yankees are over there saying, ah, whatever, just give him a broken seat from left field. I think we can get a Luis Castillo for that, right? But your website kind of cuts through yeah. all of that. Yeah, and we try to be sort of an unbiased sort of third-party thing. Hey, actually, this is the fair value, guys. Um, so let's work it out with sort of the moderator in the room. You know? <laughs> um, and fans are always biased of their own teams. And, you know, I don't want to besmirch any other team, but Yankees fans have a tendency to do that, as, perhaps more so than <laughs> others. You know, they're like, okay, we're going to give you this cast off here and that cast off there for your ace. Uh, no, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. We got some more about Luis Castillo and a little bit about Sonny Gray coming up here in just a minute. But before we get into all of that, I wanted to let you know that now with the Super Bowl coming up, everybody loves to see if they can pick some fun prop bets and maybe even pick the winner right when it comes to the Super Bowl. The best place that you can do that is at betonline.ag. They're the official sports gambling sponsor of the Lockdown Podcast Network, and you can create your account there today and enter the promo code LOCKEDON to get 50% more on your initial deposit bonus. That's right. That's 50% more money to play with when you're looking at the Super Bowl. You've got all kind of great prop bets like player performance props or my favorite, one thing I always love to throw a couple of bucks on, what color Gatorade will the winning coach be doused in? That's right. They've got everything on there, betonline.ag. And when you set up your profile, enter the promo code Locked On to get 50% more on that initial deposit. And we're in the last week of January, and where are your New Year's resolutions at? Where's your resolution to lose more weight? Maybe you had that resolution. I don't know. I know I had that resolution to lose some weight. And one of the things that has been a bugaboo for me losing weight is snacking. But Built Bar has a solution for you. Built Bar is the candy bar tasting protein bar. That's right. It's healthy for you, but you're not going to know it. In fact, you're going to feel like you just had a snack that you craved. They've got craving flavors like peanut butter brownie. They've got mint chocolate brownie. They've got double chocolate, chocolate coconut. They've got fruit flavors like cherry, raspberry, strawberry, cherry barcia. I even just tried carrot cake with walnut, and it was pretty good. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code Locked On to get 20% off your next order. You can transform your snacking game into one that doesn't leave taste but adds health. BuiltBar.com and enter that promo code for 20% off your next order of Locked On. Also very excited to announce that today, beginning today, Locked On Today, brand new podcast from the Locked On Podcast Network, looking at all of the big sports stories of the day. Your host, 
Peter Bukowski from the Locked On Packers podcast will be bringing you local hosts and lots of reactions to games, to news stories, whether they be big trades, big signings. They've got you covered on Locked On today, looking at everything that's going on in the sports world. You can find Locked On today on all of the podcasting platforms that have the Locked On Reds podcast. So just search Locked On today and get in the know. I would... I was impressed to find out that not only is Castillo the highest valued red, but he's also in the top 10 so far as the league. And I know that he's been a high performing player, but what all kind of led into him being so highly valued? So um, first of all, he's, he's one of the top pitchers in the league. Mm -hmm. And second, getting back to that simple formula, his performance is exceedingly high. And his salary is very low. He's making $4 million this year. He's in his first year of arbitration. And so, and the other thing is when you start kind of with a low salary arbitration, it kind of sets a precedent. So you're not going to go up too far from there. Like if you were making 16 and then get like a 50% raise and then another 50% raise and then after that, you know, you would do 16 plus 24 plus three, you know, that's an expensive player, right? But he's making four, which means he's probably going to get a raise to like eight and then 12. Mm-hmm. So you add that up and say, okay, for the next three years, he's going to make maybe 20 ish. Uh, I'll use like $25 million. But according to our model, he's worth 136. So, you know, that gives you a surplus of over 100, more like 110. That's a hugely valued player, and everyone in the industry knows it. That's one point. Second point is starting pitchers are a scarce resource. Everybody needs them, but especially the good ones, and especially the frontline ones, the aces. They're really hard to obtain. And so, you know, and we're not even adding a premium to that because that, we're already thinking, okay, that's already pretty high. You know, in some cases, you know, like in the Blake Snell trade, you figured he would go for because, you know, if you have multiple teams bidding, you're probably going to take the higher bidder, which might be a little bit of overpay, and that happens as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that happened in the case of Blake Snell. You know, he went for a little bit higher than we, than we um, modeled, but, you know, you know, he's a frontline starter as well. But Castillo is dur- more durable than Snell, and he's, he's got some underlying metrics that are even better than Snell's. And, like I said, he's got three years of cheap control. He's making less money than Snell. So he's like gold, you know, in terms of trade value. They, you know, almost to the point where, you know, once your value gets to a certain level uh, when it's that high, you could argue that he's untradeable because no one's going to pony up that much. Because these days, a lot of teams are hoarding their top prospects uh, because they know that they're the future and they're they're going to have six years of cheap control of them. So. You know, even a team like the, you can trade them to the Rays, and I'm not, I'm just using an example because they have the best farm system in baseball. Right. They're one team that could do it, but the other teams would have to scramble to say, ah, how are you going to get that much value? And so that's one of the reasons why I think uh, the Reds pull back on it because on paper, he's worth a lot more than perhaps other teams are willing to, to pay. And then, you know, they'd have to settle for an underpay, if you will. And they don't have to trade him. So in a way, they might have to wait a little bit for time to erode that value. This time next year, he will only have two years of control. And so, you know, he'll be worth less in terms of trade. And maybe that's a little bit more of a sort of, okay, then, you know, if you still are in the market for trading, and then you could do it there a little bit more realistically. Case in point, a few years ago, uh, Chris Archer was in a similar position when he was with the Rays. Mm-hmm. He had uh, several years of cheap control, really was a top starter at the time. And he was so valuable that no one could pony up the resources to get him. And so the Rays had to actually wait until they finally made that 
classic deal now with Pittsburgh. So um, where well, they got a lot one, but they couldn't trade him before that because he was just too valuable. No one would give up that much. So it, that does happen. And so Castillo, I think, is right on that precipice of being so valuable that I don't know if they can trade him. That was one thing that I noticed, especially comparing trade values and then also comparing trade values of minor leaguers and things like that, is that it would be very hard for a contender to remain a contender and still land Luis Castillo. That's why I thought it was weird whenever they said that the Yankees had completed the deal. I was like, yeah, I don't I don't think so. And then, of course, Jeff Passan dunked on the people that uh, had those reports, but yeah. that, that was kind of funny to see. And, and that also, you're talking about the years of control and the fact that he just began arbitration. That kind of uh, answers my next question about the difference in value because at least as Reds fans, and I know that, you know, you can be very biased about your own team, but I think it's not too much of a stretch to say that performance-wise, Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray are very, very close. But the reason in value, the reason for the difference in value between those two guys is the money that the Reds are paying Sonny Gray, which you know, albeit isn't like a ton. It's not Trevor Bauer money, what mm-hmm. he's going to get or anything like that. But at the same token, it's a lot more expensive than what Luis Castillo is going to cost over the next four years. Yeah, and and Sonny's a little bit older, and so age plays a role as well. Not that old. He's still, you know, he's going to be 31 this year. So you know, he's not over the hill yet. But he's but for three years, you're getting years 31, 32, 33. Whereas with Castillo, he's still very much in his prime. He's going to be 28, 29, 30. You know, so he's still on the right side of 30. So so that is a fact. Age is a factor as well because their you know aging curves tend to. You start to see performance declines. You start to see the injury risk go up, which is another factor, by the way, in, in Castillo's favor is that he's been very healthy. So we, we bake all of this into the pie, <clears throat> but you're right. Your point, right. Uh, Sonny Gray is making more money and that, and that's a factor. Uh, but we also look at sort of the underlying peripherals earlier when we sort of started this and we were pointing around with the, trying to match up. What we found is that, especially with starting pitchers, you know, you have to be careful with, you know, saying, okay, this guy is, is a three war pitcher and that guy's a three war pitcher, but keeping in mind, you know, it may be as simple as that, right? Um, If you think, okay, a war is worth 80 or so million, you could compare them. But it's possible that one is better than the other, and one may just be sort of an inning leader who pitches a lot, who just is durable and pitches reliably 30 starts a year, and, and, you know, his his underlying stats are not as good. It's just a quantity sort of thing, whereas the other pitcher, I'm thinking Blake Snell here, is a higher quality pitcher, but he doesn't pitch as much, and he goes to the uh, the order. And you know, so so there's a quality quantity sort of play here as well. Castillo um, hasn't had a very on that front, and I think everyone would agree with that. Castillo is a better pitcher, but you know, I'm a I'm an Oriole fan, so I'm a, I'm I, I'm <laughs> still sentimentally attached to Sonny Gray. I'll say that I hope for the best for him. Um, I hope the Reds keep him actually. Um, good to see he's, he's happy there and happy and successful. So, but anyway, that's one of the the differences. You've got to look at the underlying stats as well to see okay, how much better are they. You can't you just can't go by like a simple war calculation. Uh, me too. I. I really hope Sonny Gray stays here a long time. And, and you even, you kind of mentioned this um, kind of thinking about the different ages and stuff like that. And I know that Sonny was mentioned rather prominently in trade rumors earlier this off season. And it just gives me uh, not that I experienced it firsthand, but reading about the history of this trade gives me flashbacks to when the Reds thought they had an old 30 year old outfielder by the name of Frank Robinson and then ended up making like one of the worst trades ever in the history of professional sports. How far yeah. 
how far back do you guys – is there like a database that you can go back and look at older trades, or uh, how far back do you go? You know, we get that question every now and then, but we haven't had, frankly, the time to do that and sure. kind of go sort of retroactively back with our model and say, okay, let's evaluate. You know, especially with the um, the Chris Archer trade, with the Pirates, because everyone knows that turned out to be incredibly lopsided in his favor. And so people want to know exactly what did that look like at the time. Well, you know, we've only been around for a year and a half or so. So, um, you know, and we're focused on the present and the future as opposed to the past. So, but, but what I can say also is that, you know, they didn't have, you know, the, the wealth of information that we do today. And so most, most of the time, those guys were just winging it, right? You know, <laughs> they're just sort of wheeling the dealing. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised that a lot of them are way off, you know, and during, if you applied what we know now, to to then i'm sure it'd be you know it'd be fun i think to kind of do a little study and an article about it and say wow this was ridiculous because you can look back and say wow that was a really lopsided trade but keep in mind also the formula we mentioned which is performance minus money equals surplus so you know <clears throat> they may not have been thinking that. when you look back at trades sometimes they're evaluated just at baseball performance you know and maybe the money wasn't even considered a lot of times i look back it's like oh this guy you know, James Shields for Tatis. Wow, that was a deal. But a lot of there was a lot of money changing in that deal that people right. forget about. You know, changing it out. So, so um, sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle, and that's a very important component. That's all I'm trying to say. No, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm sure there's plenty of Reds fans that would like to get a time machine and go back and find that guy that had the year of the general manager back then who said, you know, this Milt Pappas guy looks pretty cool and just pop him in the jaw. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Babe Ruth was paid for a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. 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 You can go back and get that guy too. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I just think it's interesting. And especially like that's been one of the biggest hangups with the Reds over the last really six, seven years is that when they made their trades, it didn't seem like, I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but it they, they didn't get very good value for them. So it makes me kind of wonder how long they've been um, looking at different trade values and stuff like that. But um, I love the resource that you guys have created and uh, definitely going to be all about it. It's baseball tradevalues.com and he is John Bitzer. John, I thank you so much for spending some time talking with me today. My pleasure, Jeff. Anytime. Really enjoyed getting to talk with John. He's going to be a resource that we're going to have on the podcast from time to time talking about some different trades and definitely going to be looking at his website a lot this offseason, especially when we're looking at potential trades and if the Reds do in fact make a trade, we can evaluate it with this third-party resource. Again, that's BaseballTradeValues.com, and you can kind of create a free profile there. They'll even let you sign up for like a newsletter and different things like that. He said they got a podcast, and they've got some good info on there as well. In fact, they've had the chance to evaluate the Pirates trade of Jameson Tyon to the New York Yankees. Yep, the uh, Yankees got that starting pitcher, and it came from the NL Central, but it didn't come from the Reds. And I'm not sad about that one bit. But that's going to do it for us here today on the next episode of the Locked On Reds podcast. Aaron Layton from Locked On MLB Prospects will be joining me to talk about the state of the farm system, where the Reds' prospects rank in the grand scheme of things. Because we've seen some varying rankings from different websites and different resources talking about where guys like Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green and Tyler Stevenson and those guys rank Going to get Aaron Layton's take on that 
and more on the next episode of the Lockdown Reds Podcast. But that'll do it for us here today. Thank you so much for listening and downloading to today's episode. My name is Jeff Carr, and I will be talking with all of you very soon. Let's go, Reds. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.